If you've been following along with us, or if you're the very first time with us, you know that we go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So we're in the book of Hebrews. We pick back up here in chapter 10 of Hebrews. We'll take the first 18 verses of Hebrews. You'll look, as we look at this chapter, chapter 10, it's a continuation from chapter 9. If you look, if you, I know you brought your Bibles, there's no question. But if you forgot your Bible, you know how it is. You forgot the Bible, right? So don't blame your spouse or blame someone else. Reach right there behind the pew and grab a Bible and open up and follow along with us because as we go verse by verse, you can read along. I want you to know what the Word of God says. These are not my words. This is the Word of God. And that's why you can leave here, go back and read your Bible if you forgot it and follow along here. But I'm going to pick right back up here that last verse of chapter 9 because it really is a continuation of the same story here. And that is... So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly await for him, he will appear a second time. He will be, uh, the rapture will happen. He will come back with his church to this, this world once again. Apart from sin for salvation. Again, to those who er- eagerly await for Jesus, he will appear a second time apart from sin but for, for salvation. To complete the fact that he will take you and I out of this place and our salvation will be complete. Our sanctification will be complete. Now we'll go into a glorified state. Amen, right? We're no longer suffering in this body any longer. We will have a new body. We'll have a new name. We will be in his presence in heavenly sanctuary. We talked about in verse 23 of chapter 9. And that is why we're talking about these things. And if you know the entire scripture, you should should be studying the entire scripture, the entire Bible, all 66 books. Don't just look at your favorite little verses that make you through. That's great, but that's not going to help you grow and mature in your relationship and understanding. So when you're sitting there and you're studying in the Old Testament, you will notice as we're studying in the New Testament, it's talking about the Old Testament. And it's one letter, it's one continuous love letter from God to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we take a look at this and we look at the overall theme of chapter 10, the subject is the perfect sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you and for me. And when we take a look at that, today we'll take the very first part and we're going to talk about the perfect forgiveness. I don't know about you. Do you want forgiveness? I want forgiveness. Do I want to know there's a way to be forgiven of all my sins, a past, present, and future? I hope you do. If you don't, then I, today's the day of your salvation. Today's the day you can be forgiven by Jesus Christ because there is no other way to be forgiven but putting your trust in the person who died for your sins, and that is Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. So you, as long as you get that clear and understanding, then you will move forward and you will experience a changed life. Because once you're born again, once you're regenerated, there is a changed life. You can't sit there and say, I'm not sure I'm, I'm saved or not. You will know because you have a changed life. And so we will see the perfect forgiveness. And why is that so important? Why is that so important? I know, I, I simply teach the word simply because I, that's how I am. I'm of a simple kind of guy. So why, is, why do we need this perfect forgiveness in our lives? Is this something because you, you want something? So you can get something? So you can run from something? 
The biggest problem for man is, of course, is sin. Sin, of course, is man's greatest problem. What is wrong with our society? Sin. What's wrong with this country? Sin. What's wrong with this world? Sin. It's very simple. It's not complex. It's not the politics. That's just a sin problem. It's not the economy. It's a sin problem. The murder rate. It's a sin problem. Racial issues. It's a sin problem. Suicides. It's a sin problem. And that's our biggest problem. And that is why Jesus Christ, that is why the Father sent the only begotten Son to solve the sin problem. The question is, is do you choose that problem? Choose the solution to that problem that you have and that I have. Have you been forgiven? Have you received the perfect forgiveness? Ah, that God is already showing you. I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now if you've never been saved. Today's the day of salvation. Just surrender it all to him. Follow along. I'll show you. Because by nature, man is a sinner. By nature, when you were born, that perfect little baby is a perfect, looked, perfect little wicked sinner. <laughs> as beautiful as that baby is. And oh, I can't wait for my next grandchild to be born. Sophia Marie in the next couple of weeks. You know where I'm, Kelly and I are focused on, right, after this day? <laughs> We're going to go see Sophia Marie and our other two babies, Jackson and Emma. But they were born wicked little sinners. They took after probably grandfather, right? But man is a sinner, and of, by choice, he proves that his nature is sinful. It has been said many, many times by many, many people. We are sinners because we sin, and we sin because we are sinners. That's it. And that sinful nature, if it hasn't already been done, has to change. You need to receive a new nature, and that can only be given to you by Jesus. And this is why we need that perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ that provides the perfect forgiveness for man. We see here, and we take a look at Hebrews chapter 10, in the first four verses, we're going to see that once and for all, sacrifice of Jesus brings is that perfect forgiveness to those who believe. Offers it all to all people. He came to die for the whole world. All people, not just certain people. But the question is, have you chose him? Have you chose to surrender your life and be broken for him. To, to surrender all completely. Not only as Savior, but even more important as you're, after you're saved, as Lord. That's, that's, that's a big question for you. It's a big question for me every day. You're my Savior. Well, I allow you to be Lord of my life this day. That's where you'll see change take place in your life. Growth to take change in your life. Because you're no longer planning your own life. You're allowing him to direct your life. There is a difference, my brothers and sisters. There is a difference. 
We see here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, it says, For the law having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then, when they have not have ceased to be offered, for the, the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So we studied about the old covenant way versus the new covenant way. The old covenant is the law. God designed, God implemented, God ordained and appointed to do at that point in time only for the purpose as a foreshadow, a picture, a type of, of the coming of the Messiah who would bring the new covenant and the difference between those two. And we've studied that quite, quite uh, in depth, not only on Wednesday nights going through Exodus, Leviticus, now in Numbers, so I encourage you to go back and listen to those teachings. But even over the last couple of Sundays, we've gone into those depths of understanding. So we, we look here, the writer of the, to these Hebrew believers. Keep it in context if you haven't been with us. The writer is writing to Hebrew believers who is com- contemplating and thinking about going back to the old Judaizer methodology, back to religiosity, back to the, the law, back to the rules and regulations and rituals. And the writer's encouraging him, don't go back there. Don't go back to the inferior old covenant way. It, stick with Jesus. Follow Jesus. It's the new covenant way. It is superior to anything of the inferior. Because he says here that for the law is just a shadow. It's just casting out what is the substance it's showing. You know, as you're sitting there and you're looking down and all of a sudden the shadow appears in front of you, you, you're not going to sit there and talk to the shadow. Maybe some of you talk to your shadows, but you shouldn't be talking to the shadow. Why? Because it's not the substance. It's not the item. It's not the person. It's not what you should be looking at. But the shadow tells you someone else is present or something else that is real is present. There's an old saying, you're chasing your shadows because you're not chasing things that are real. Many times it could be your emotions, fears, past. Many times people dwell on shadows and not reality of what they're dealing with at this day. But the shadow of the old covenant way was a foreshadowing of the who? Jesus Christ. The Christ, the Messiah, who would come. So the writer says, it's a shadow of what? Good things to come. Good things. It's not bad things, this is good things. Not the very image of things. No, it can never be that through sacrifices, sacrificing an animal for the covering of the blood, the blood covering of the sin of the Israeli, the, the Jewish people was only temporary. It wasn't permanent. It was just a foreshadowing of what they could live by faith, but they did not have the 
transformation, inter internal transformation of forgiveness until Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. We see here that the writer says it's, it's, it's the, the approach of using a sacrificial old covenant way is not the, the long-term plan that God had. It was just the first step in the plan that he had. That if it was permanent and the animals were sacrificed, then we see in verse 2, he, the writer says, then you would have been ceased. The offerings would have been ceased. Once you sacrifice animal, then it would have been done with. It had been covered if it was complete. The worshipers would have been purified, he says. Your conscience of all your sins would have been wiped away. It would have been cleaned. But none of that happened in the Old Covenant. Prior to Jesus Christ, none of that could happen. It was a temporary covering waiting for the Messiah to come. To die on the cross for the sins of the world. So the writer's telling him, why would you go back to the inferior way that was temporary, that did not get, clear your conscience of all the guilt of the sin that's in your life? Why would you go back if it's temporary, not permanent, meaning it has to be sacrificious or sacrificial of, of the animals every single day? And then overall, cover all. If we missed anything through the 365 days, let's have one more day, the 365th day, the Day of Atonement, when all the sins, the ones we don't even know we did, let's make sure that's covered, taken care of. We call it Yom Kippur today that they celebrate in Israel. But notice that they had to live every day sacrificing, 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 just to make sure your sins were covered for that day. Then the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sacrifice for the entire nation one time a year, and only one person could do it. It was very limited. The veil separated the people from the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. But all that would change. Because it was not possible, as the writer says there, even after year after year after year after year, day after day doing this, it is not possible that the blood of the bulls and the goats could take away sins. It was just a covering. The sacrifices in the Old Covenant brought a reminder of sin and not the remission of sin. Not the forgiveness of sin. It was just constantly reminding themselves they needed to have another sacrifice, need another sacrifice. Just got to keep going, got to keep going, got to do something. Never rest. The high priest never had rest. There was no place in the tabernacle or the temple where they could sit at all. They had to constantly be working day in and day out to keep the covering keep them right with God. The sacrificial system was a type or a picture of work our Lord would ultimately accomplish on the cross. This means that the system was temporary, temporary, it was temporary. Therefore, 
could not accomplish anything permanent. That's what religion will do. It will always be temporary in your mind. You're constantly in fear if you're right with God or not. Because you didn't show up to church. Oh, what is the Lord going to do? I didn't pray today. Oh, what's the Lord going to do? I didn't read my word, to, the word of God today. Oh, what's the word, what's what the Lord think about me today? I didn't do good works. I didn't give enough money. It goes on and on in this religious system. Always in the mind. You never finished. You never rest in the relationship with Jesus. Because you're resting in your own works and your own mentality and your own religious system within a church system. You'll never have peace. You're not going to have the joy of the Lord. And so, animal sacrifice could never complete the deal. What was the deal? To remove human guilt. The sacrifice of animals will never remove the human guilt. That's why the writer of the Hebrews repeats a familiar argument. The repetition of sacrifice shows this inherent weakness in the old covenant. Because if the animal sacrifice fixed the issue of guilt, of needing the need for forgiveness, it would have been dealt with with the animal sacrifice, but it wasn't designed for that. Every repeated sacrifice was a reminder to them they were sinful, they were sinful, they were sinful. It never cleansed the consciousness of the sins that they had committed. People lacked that inward witness of full and final, complete, perfect forgiveness in their lives. They never experienced that like you and I. God promised forgiveness to believing worshipers. It makes, I want to make this clear. Because people see, I don't read the Old Testament because it's about the New Testament and what Jesus has done. That is true. But you have to understand, if you study the scriptures, you'll know it's about the Messiah and talking about Jesus and the plan of salvation. The plan of that perfect forgiveness for one's life was always in the Old Testament as well. Go back and you will see that the, the whole promise of to, to worshipers believing worshipers that they will be saved we see it in Leviticus chapter 4 verse 20 you can see it in Leviticus chapter 26 chapter 31 chapter 35 if you were studying with us on Wednesday night we went through all of this on Wednesday night when we went through Leviticus but Jesus was talked about the Messiah would come if and bring forgiveness to you and I that is permanent. Not through a religious system, but through a personal relationship with the Messiah, Christ, Jesus. What they dealt with under the new covenant was just purely a uh, judicial forgiveness for that point in time. It didn't remove their guilt. It didn't change people's hearts. But the work of Jesus on the cross takes away sin. And it's the only way your sin can be taken away. 
The blood of God's Son, the perfect sacrifice, takes care of sin once and for all. It's done. He said on the cross, it is finished. What do you think he said that? Do you think, some people think, oh, it's finished. That means finally the crucifixion's down, is done, so now he can body can be taken off the cross. That's not what it meant. It meant the sin of the world. Your sin was paid for by his blood. That's what he meant. It is finished. Why is that important to you? Because if it wasn't his blood, it would be your blood. It would be you on that cross. You would be paying for this for eternity for your sins. And if today you reject Jesus by saying, I don't want to surrender my life to him and, and trust in what he's done on the finished work, complete work on the cross, then you are going to hell because you chose to reject Jesus. Oh, I hope your heart is not so hardened that you would reject the free gift of salvation, the perfect forgiveness for your soul. I pray that that's not you. That today's the day you would just surrender all by taking that step of faith to Jesus. Without Christ, you cannot go beyond the shadows of God. You can't. The animal sacrifice of the Old Covenant could cover sin, yes. The Hebrew word for atonement, at one with God, atonement is kofar, which literally means to cover. That's all the animal sacrifice could do is cover their sin temporarily. It never took away their sin completely. Only Jesus, the perfect sacrifice of the new covenant, takes away giving us that perfect forgiveness. I'll give you an analogy or an example. You've been diagnosed with cancer or some kind of sickness. It's, by, it's been diagnosed, they know what it is, and they say you're going through this treatment and you're going to take this medication for the rest of your life. You're going to go and take and receive toxic things just to keep you alive. That's what the Old Covenant way was. Medication all day, every day, regiment, just to keep you alive. Alive. That's the old covenant way. But when you are completely healed, that's the new covenant way. Did you get the analogy? One more time. Just I have to hear it sometimes three times. The old covenant way was Sacrifice, 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 sacrifice for animals to get the covering. It was temporary. It just kept you alive. But the new covenant way, when Jesus died, it brought complete healing in one's life. The perfect forgiveness of one life. That is the new covenant way. 
So you're not taking medication the rest of your life. You are healed. There is no reason for medication anymore in your life. There is no more chemo to keep you alive. You've been completely healed in that relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't forget that, my brothers and sisters. You're healed if you surrendered your life to Jesus. We continue here, and the next verses 5 through 10 is very interesting. I don't know if you've caught this, because I hope you always read ahead, so this is not the first time you're hearing the scripture. But if you had read ahead, did you pick up on this really private conversation between God the Father and God the Son? Have you? Most people miss this. This is absolutely a divine conversation between Jesus and the Father about you. And we get to peek in and hear this conversation that is taking place in heaven about you and me. Look at this. Follow along here. Therefore, when he came into the world, who came into the world? Jesus came into the world. He said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you, who's you, the Father, have prepared for me, Jesus. Did you catch that? He says, Dad, the sacrifice and offerings that are going on in the old covenant, you don't desire that. You didn't desire that. You've always desired from the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world, you were going to give me a body to go to the earth to pay for the sins of the world. Now, that will spin your head a little bit. But that will be for another lengthy conversation later. Verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Even though that was good and designed by God to do that, but it was just temporary for the covering of the sins of the people. It wasn't the ultimate plan because everyone has to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior to be saved and cleansed completely, a perfect forgiveness for their, from their sins. Even from all the way back to the very beginning, even Adam and Eve had to make that decision. When did, when did they have to make that decision? When Jesus died and during the three days being buried, he ministered to who? To everyone who had died ahead of time, before that time. They all had a choice. Do they accept Jesus or not? Let us continue, verse 7. And then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus says, In the entire volume of the book, everything you and I read from the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way, Genesis all the way through, in the volume of the book in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant that he's referencing here, it speaks of Jesus. So don't let anyone convince you that you don't need to read the Old Testament because it has no value. They do not know the Word of God. You shouldn't even be touching. No touching. You don't even listen to that person if they're not teaching the whole counsel of God. Verse 8, previously saying, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and the offerings of sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. It was your law. It was your plan. But it's not what you desired. 
It's not the perfect solution. He knows it was a temporary, it's just a foreshadowing of pointing the fact that the Messiah, your son, Jesus, myself, was coming to pay the sins of the world. Verse 9, then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, referring to the first covenant, that he may establish the what? The second covenant. The new covenant. Verse 10, but that ye will, but, or by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. What? Once and for all. We worship that today. Did you understand as we were worshiping in song and singing truth? That's why we do the songs that we do. To sing truth once and for all. Do you remember that song? Did you understand what you were singing to God? You recognize the truth. That he did it once and for all. It's not a repetitive continuation. He did it all. It's complete. It's finished. This quotation that we see here, that this conversation is based out of Psalm chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. It's from the Septuagint, which is the ancient Greek translation of the Old Testament in Greek. You know, the Septuagint, the Septuagint is a translation into Greek. Why? Do you know this? History purposes for you to understand here. Remember, the Jewish nation was in captivity in Babylon. Most of the Jewish people did not know Hebrew at all because they were raised up in a Greek culture because the Greek language is what dominated that time of the period. So when they were coming back into Jerusalem, back into Israel, they had to have it translated, the Old Testament, into the New Te- into a Greek language, which is the Septuagint, is how we get that. That's why we have to understand the difference of what we're reading here versus when you go back and read the Old Testament, Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8, you'll see slight differences, but it doesn't change the meaning. It's the same meaning, just slightly different words because of the difference between Hebrew and Greek. Okay, that was it. Uh, enough history. Let's move on. Or we'll be here all day, and I'm good with that. I know, I know. Only as long as the seat endures. Okay, we'll get padding so we can go a little longer. Okay, that's enough, Corey. So when we see this, more animal sacrifice made under the law is not going to please God anymore. Did you understand that? Sacrifice, sacrifice, doesn't please God anymore. Instead, what pleases God can only come through Jesus, the incarnation of the Son of God. That is the only pleasure for the Father. Because the Son is doing what? The will of his Father. What pleases a Father more today? Not not chocolate. When their children... Obey their word. There's no greater pleasure for a father that their children, out of love, obeys their father. 
No greater joy. And of course, mother. And so how did Jesus show his love to his father and obedience to his father when he says, behold, I come to do your will, O God? Jesus' submission to God's the Father's will had ultimately needed to be fulfilled in his obedience to going to the cross. We see the desire to do God's will was completely brought into light for us when? In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see that and go back and look and read Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 44, 45, somewhere around that, 44, I believe, is in that time. Just go back and read that. That is the fulfillment of his, his willingness and wanting to fulfill the pleasure and please his father and the obedience to what God has called him to do. And that's when he was obedient. The sacrifice of Jesus was determined be even before the foundation of the world. It wasn't something played out, okay, I'm coming to earth and we'll figure this out as we go. Some people think that, but that's not true. Why? Because 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 says this was completely played out in heaven before the foundation of the world. We also see it mentioned in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8. But it was still an act of his will, Jesus' will, to submit to the cross at the appointed time that was God had determined. Our sanctification. When you're born again, God starts working in your life. Our sanctification, our being set apart for God, is founded on the will of Jesus. Not our own will. It is the founded on the offering of Jesus and what he has done. Not on our own offering. Not on our own sacrifices to God. Does that help you? We, I used to, when I first got saved, I said, I'm, I'm just going to jump on the back of Jesus. Bear hug, never let go. and I'm, You're not going to shake me. I'm just not going to let go because I know to be able to cross the finish line, I'll never make it. I'll let him carry me across the line. And that's when I was so brand new, just getting born again. That's all I could understand. I was a racer. I know how to race. That's what I used to do. Run, run, run. Races every week. Trying to always run in athletics and competitive. And then I realized I'll never make it. If I don't jump on the back of Jesus and hold on and let him carry me. And once I had that image, I never let go of it. I never let go. Because I knew I would never finish the race and cross the line if I did it on my own. Because I had no clue what I was doing when I got saved. No one taught me nothing. My whole life, I never read a word from the Word of God. No one taught me it. I didn't need to. You know why? Because once I got saved, and the Spirit of the Holy Spirit came into me, He taught me everything I needed to know. And it will happen to you as well. If you let the Spirit of God work in your life, don't grieve the Spirit by not being obedient or being submissive to the Spirit of God. Your sinful nature has been changed. 
You've got a new nature when you're born again. But a lot of those sinful acts that you still dwell on in the past and things that come up and the temptations and the devil attacks, you must fight those actions. You must fight those feelings. You must fight those thoughts. Because that is not your nature. It's not who you are. You have been changed and you have the perfect forgiveness. You've been forgiven. Why would you let anyone or anything or yourself spot yourself up and get muddy? Don't do it. Allow the washing of the Spirit of God to come across your life every day and be reminded that you have the perfect forgiveness because you have the perfect sacrifice in the person you absolutely love the most in your life, and that is Jesus Christ. And that gives you the full assurance of salvation and eternal life. How much more freer and wonderful life you can have of joy and peace when you have that assurance. Once and for all, these are very important words. If you have your Bibles, underline it. If you have a pencil and you've got one of the Bibles in the back of the pew, underline it for the next person to read it. Once and for all, the writer of the Hebrews repeats this theme over and over again. Anytime you're reading the scriptures and you see things, a pattern repeated, especially two, if not three times, make note in your Bible because that is very important if God's repeating it for you and me to know. It's once and for all. Believers have been set apart. They're sanctified for, by the offering of Christ's body once and for all. A new covenant brings about a new convent or a saint. A new saint is set apart finally and completely in the finished work of Jesus. That is a hallelujah moment. And we finish here, verses 11 through 18. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, your Bible should be a capital M, but this man, deity, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of the Father. <laughs> it's done. It's complete. I can rest. I rest. It's complete work. Verse 13, from that time waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. Remember, Satan is control of this wicked world we live in right now. But it's temporary. Soon he will, Jesus is coming back to reign and rule and reign on this earth. And we will be with him as a believer. And what you do for Jesus now, what you do in regards to pouring out your life and allowing him to work in and through your life, you're going to be rewarded in heaven. But it also determines, I believe the scripture says, your role and responsibilities in the new world when we come back and reign with him during the millennial world of that thousand years. Will you be in charge of 25, 50, hundreds, thousands? How are you going to be used by God in the new, in the millennial it will be based upon your heart of faith and obedience now. But we see here, all his enemies will be under his footstool. Every one of them. 
Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's me and you. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, because the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives within you as a believer. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds, and I will, and I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Hallelujah. In verse 18, now, where there is remission or forgiveness of, of these, forgiveness of what these? The lawless deeds, the sins, right? The forgiveness of these sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. So here's the high priest Day in and day out, nonstop, constantly sacrificing, sacrificing, never finished, always having to work, 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 work repetitively for just a covering. But Jesus came in and sacrificed once on that cross. We talked about it pretty intensely last week when I said... When we take communion, it's not because we're putting Jesus back on the cross. Jesus is no longer on the cross. He is alive and sitting at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for you and I as believers. So there's no, you're not putting Jesus back on the cross to do communion. Communion is a celebration for you and I of what he's already completely done. The fact that it is a reminder that you have received the perfect forgiveness. It's completely been taken care of. That is why we come back and do communion. It's to remember what Jesus has already done. It's complete. And we can rest in our relationship with our Lord. Our Lord's at rest. He's got it taken care of. No one's going to snatch you out of our God's hand. You heard me say it all the time. Nothing touches your life unless it's been Father filtered first. And it's for to do a work in you is why he's allowed it. And so as we take a look at this, and we see even in verse 14, he had this perfected forever, those who are being sanctified. That's you and I. We're constantly, is the plan of work of Jesus effectively working your life to, to change and mold and shape you to be more like who? Jesus, not the world, not in some church system, but of Jesus himself. The character of the inner woman, the inner man, needs to be in line and grow and mature and sanctify to be like Jesus. That's why we continue to come. That's why we continue to read the Word of God. That's why we continue to pray. That's why we continue to do and be obedient to what He's calling us to do with the gift or, gift or gifts He's given you. Is because we want to be more like Jesus and no one else. 
And what brings unity from this, I mean, just if you had my view right here, you would see the diversity of people. And why do we are all here is because there's a unity in who? Because we're all our eyes are focused on our, our Savior. That's what brings unity in the body of Christ. Yes, you look like a big toe. Yes, you look like a, a thumb. Yes, definitely you. You have the tongue. There's no question. You're the tongue. But all that makes into what? One body. It's a beautiful thing. A oneness. Through this scripture here, this is all quoted from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, if you want to go back and read that account. That the sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. The new covenant offers complete forgiveness, the perfect forgiveness. And it's so complete that God can say that he doesn't even remember our sins in light of the new covenant. And you're sitting there going, how can you forget? Jesus does, God doesn't forget anything. But if you remember one of the teachings, both on the Old Testament on Wednesdays and here on Sundays, what it means is, is that he doesn't hold your sins against you for the rest of your life. God never, once you're giving your life to Jesus, he never will punish you or judge you in the thoughts the way we think. He comes along as like a heavenly father, a good father, and may discipline you if you go astray. He may discipline you. Like a good shepherd, he may go get you with the hook and bring you back. But it's always out of what? Love. Out of love. The love that he has for you. That's why I always say, once you get saved, you're on the bungee cord, man. You can run all you want. You ever see the little harness, harnesses on the, on the kids? I know, some, I know some of the guys, they needed a harness when they were kids. There's no question about it. They were always running for mama. But I always tell young guys, you can run. I don't need to chase you. I'm just going to sit here right beside Jesus and watch the get tougher and tougher on your life. And you're going to spring back, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. I may send a few, a few phone calls, a few texts. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm missing you. Because I was hoping at some point you'll feel the tension in the, in the bungee cord, and you'll stop and go, ooh, let me turn around and just walk back nicely. Versus snapping back. Little analogy. Do you feel a little tension in your life right now? Do you feel a little weight? God's hand on, the, on your back, like dad's hand on you in the back and going, son, I got to talk to you. Daughter, we got to talk. If you're sensing that today, just stop and come back. Just surrender all to dad. Tell him everything. Sit down, just talk, 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 talk. He'll listen, 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 listen. And then he's going to love on you. 
and restore you and strengthen you and remind you that you are loved. Say that. You are loved. You have the complete forgiveness as a believer. May you rest this Sunday and the days to come. Because that rest comes because our Savior completed. It's final. It's done. And that's why we get to rest as well in our relationship with him.